as we gather this day, we celebrate the Feast of Mary Magdalene. It was raised to a feast a couple years ago by uh, Pope uh, Francis, uh, mainly in a response to um, a few things that he saw and the church saw, something that I saw um, coming down the pike, uh, I'll, I'll admit, uh, when Dan Brown wrote his Pulp Fiction book, and it is at the, the very it's not worth a paper it's printed on. We'll just leave it at that, but the Da Vinci Code. Uh, as I was reading that, that book, because so many people were approaching me, and is this true, is this true? Uh, we have to remember, and, and the, the best uh, anecdote I heard is, as they were discussing it, well, it's a good story. And, the, and, the, and it was in, in a college class, and the college student turned, your mother is a hooker. No, she's not, no, but it's a good story. <laughs> Uh, so we have to remember that not everything that is a good story is true, and uh, even though, um, you know, I get on my little rant with Dan Brown, even though he starts out his book, every word, every fact is true and been fact-checked and everything like that. In the first few pages, he has the main hero going the wrong way down a one-way street with traffic. He can't do that. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. He has some other facts that are completely wrong. But in that book, he said that Mary Magdalene was the wife of Jesus and that the church, she was the one that was divine, not Jesus, and that the church hid this fact. Why? Oh, well, because they, they tried to malign her, uh, and they claim, he claimed that uh, Pope Gregory in the 8th century did this. Because Pope Gregory, as he was preaching on Mary Magdalene, on what we now celebrate as a feast day, said that she was the woman who came to Jesus and washed her feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She was a prostitute. And, well, this is all terrible, terrible, terrible. Well, there's two things in this that our modern world forgets. One, and I heard it the other day, and, I, and I, when I heard it, I went, Wait a minute, back up. It was men and women simply cannot be friends. Well, there can be a true friendship, uh, a true intimacy between men and women without delving into that area of sexuality. That Mary Magdalene could have been a very close friend of Jesus. Most likely wasn't his closest, of course, Peter... Uh, James and John would have been probably the closest friends, but she would have had a relationship with him, him based on based on love, and whether she was a sinner or not. This is the second thing is ultimately irrelevant, because she may have started out a sinner, but she did not end the sinner, and it's where we end, not where we begin. She may have been the worst of prostitutes. I don't, I'm not saying she was, but she, she may have been. But the life that she lived after she encountered Jesus Christ, the life she lived after his conversion, that's what matters. And if uh, St. Gregory was correct, which I don't know if he was or not, because the scriptures are, are vague on it, but if he is correct, how beautiful it is that she went from the woman who was a prostitute to a woman who converted so much so her tears of conversion washed the feet of Jesus. We don't know that for sure. 
But what we do know is her, her last name, uh, well, in our, in ours is Magdalene. It actually means for Magdala. Magdala was a city, um, a little village on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, not too far from Capernaum, I forget whether it was east or west. But uh, uh, there, uh, a few years ago, they found the, the remnants of Magdala, and uh, they're excavating as we speak. And it's just fascinating, the, the things that, that they're finding this little Jewish village that was completely wiped out uh, through over time. It wasn't, people just moved and, and left it deteriorate. Mary Magdalene was a woman of means. How she got her means, we don't know. That's where maybe the prostitution thing comes into play, whether it is or not. But she used those means to support Jesus. She's one of those named by St. Luke specifically. And more importantly, she is one of the ones who first encountered the risen Lord. That were, I should back up. She's one of the ones that first realized that the Lord's tomb is empty. And she encounters him. She's the first to encounter him. Now in Jewish law, in, in, in Jewish custom, and, and actually custom of the time, this is not sexist, well, it was sexist at the time, but it, I'm not sharing this because I believe it should be this way. But the word of a woman was not accepted, and yet the disciples, on her word, on her going back to, to them saying, Jesus has truly been raised, they begin to believe. Not all, and not immediately, they have to encounter him too, but on her word. So it signals a transformation of the culture even that Mary Magdalene becomes a witness. In fact, the church has called her, and St. Gregory, I believe, was the first one to call her this, but the apostle to the apostles. She's the one the Lord sent, which is what apostle means, to the ones he sends out to the world. She becomes a tremendous witness. After his resurrection and ascension, after uh, her, her time, the, the, the story is that she went into France and she proclaimed the gospel there as, as a woman could. And many came to believe through her and of course the, the church was then built and that she died basically in a sort of quasi-religious life, what we would recognize now perhaps in, in prayer and study and, and uh, um, self-sustaining work. Again, I'll go back. I think she's a good model of how to have true intimacy with the Lord. She listened to him. And also a model that it doesn't matter where we begin. It absolutely does not matter. This is the thing that infuriates me most about the Da Vinci Code. It does not matter where we begin, it's where we end. We're not the worst of sinners, perhaps. But that doesn't, we shouldn't rest on our laurels, perhaps. But like St. Mary Magdalene, to seek the Lord out, to become better than we, we were, and to end in heaven.